Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abbafe on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Folks, this is the Lombardi Line on the DraftKings Network, part of the Sunday pregame power-up. Three shows, five hours, all you can eat game day prep leading up to 1 o'clock Eastern. 10 o'clock Pacific in the National Football League Week 13 kickoff. Femi Abebefe here in downtown Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. For those of you watching on VEASAN, you can find us on the DraftKings Network on your smart TV. Just download the Roku, Samsung TV, and Zumo Play. What a Sunday we have in store. We have a full slate of NFL games, Michael, but we also have at noon Eastern, the College Football Selection Committee show where we will find out who the four playoff teams are in this year's College Football Playoff Conference Championship Saturday was yesterday. Man, this is a great day, I think, as a sports fan as a whole. And the debates will be raging on once we get to what the committee decides. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating what they decide. And yesterday it was a day filled with really one great game. I mean, Florida State, Louisville was a tough watch. We knew Michigan was going to beat Iowa. The fact that they covered without letting Iowa score was great. Uh, you know, earlier we knew Texas would beat Oklahoma State. I don't think anybody doubted that as a 15-point favorite. I mean, the the Georgia-Alabama game to me was fun. And I think what Kirby said after the game is true. You, you know, you have a hard time arguing that those two teams that played out there in a high-level competition game are two of the best four teams in the country. Now, they won't get in, neither one of them. I mean, both of them won't get in. I think they both deserve to get in, my opinion. I think this ridiculous notion that, you know, you have to penalize the Southeast Conference. Look, I, I don't think Texas, you know, you could say whatever you want about Texas. Yeah, they won in Alabama. That was week two. They won. It was week two. I think both teams are vastly different now. So I can't wait to see how it is. I just know this. I was researching this morning, Femi, and the head of the head of the committee, Hancock, said most deserving is not anything in the committee's lexicon. They are to rank the best teams in order. And that's what they'll do. Just keep that word in mind. Best teams. 
So you pick your four best teams. I'll pick my four best teams. I have a hard time thinking that Georgia and Alabama aren't four of the best teams or two of the best teams of the four. Well, I think why this is such a fascinating decision is because over the last decade, it's always been pretty simple. Like the committee, like we all know, here are the four teams. We know that what they should do other than the first year they did this in 2014 when they took Ohio State over TCU and Baylor. It's been pretty simple. But this year, this is the first time in the CFP era, Michael, that we have seven power five teams that have finished the season with one loss or fewer. Like, Like we've never had three unbeaten power five conference champions. And I hear what you're saying with the four best teams. And that's something that they've said and echoed throughout these past like 10 years doing this. But it's never really been as simple as the four best teams. Otherwise, I don't think we would have had Cincinnati, the group of five champion, uh, getting into the playoff a couple of years ago. Like the, the, uh, deserving. There's a little bit more nuance than power rating the top four teams and just sending them off to the playoff, isn't there? Well, I mean, I'm just reading you what he said. I mean, why would he say that if there is, you know, I mean, why would he say that? If it's the four best teams, you know, and Cincinnati that year made a strong case. They played everybody really well. Um, they had a lot of good players on that team. There's no question about that. Look, Florida State unfortunately lost their quarterback. You know, I think Florida State, if Daniels is there, if he's playing, I'm not Daniels. It's Jordan excuse, Travis. It's Daniels, right? No, Jordan Travis. Travis. I'm yep. sorry, Travis, yep. right. If he's playing, I mean, I think there's no question you have to put Florida State in. Although I don't think the ACC is a very tough conference. I really don't. I don't think you could say that. I don't think you'd say the Big 12 is a, a, a hard conference. I mean, Kansas, they played them without a bat, without the quarterback, right? Kansas State was a hard game. Oklahoma State wasn't the same team they've been in the past. They lost to Oklahoma, who went on to lose to Central Florida. So, you know, I mean, look, Georgia, you could say that the hardest game they had on the schedule was the Missouri game and then the Georgia Tech game at the end of the year, which shouldn't have been a hard game. Alabama played the West. That's a hard, that's a hard division out there. You got to play LSU. You got to play AM. You know, you got to play all these good teams. Ole Miss. And they come out. And to me, right now, they're one of the best. I don't even think last yesterday, to be honest with you, I don't even think Milrow played any good yet. I didn't think he played very well. I know he won the MVP, but early in the game, he was missing crossers. He had guys wide open he couldn't make throws to. Like, I, I think had he, play, he played a B game for me. And now, he, there were moments where there were flashes of A, holds the ball too long, all those things, takes sacks when he shouldn't. He's kind of a frustrating player, but when the game was on the line and they needed to run the ball, they had a new run that they put in that was great, and they got that big gain, and they kept the ball away from them. But for me, I think if Georgia plays Alabama 10 times, I think we could see Georgia win five and Alabama win five. To me, that's something I want to see. I'd love to see Alabama-Michigan. I'd love to see Alabama-Washington. I'd love to see Georgia play, you know, Washington. I think those would be the four best teams if that's the criteria. But I I don't know where TV fits into this too cuz you know if they put some teams in that that are not, don't I mean look, the Florida State game, when you just pan the crowd and you saw Florida State the game wasn't even sold out, Femi. But the upper deck had zillions of seats. 
Well, <laughs> I, I'm sure the TV number probably did great because I think a lot of fans, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, were well, all tuned in to watch suit. it. I mean, everybody <laughs> yeah. wanted to watch Joe's yeah. suit. Did you see that suit? You know, I mean, a double-breasted look. Everybody was probably tuning in to see that bad boy. <laughs> but I, I do think, like, Florida State's offense was atrocious last night, obviously, with the, the third-string quarterback who, that's a tough spot for Brock Glenn, that kid. But he wouldn't be the quarterback if they were to make the playoffs. It'd be Tate Rodemaker who would be the quarterback who was not able to pass the concussion protocol now he's probably not that much better than Brock Glenn obviously it's a significant drop-off from Jordan Travis to Rodemaker but I still think FSU's defense and something that we always talk about here it's like playing complimentary football is something that they've done all season long and they had to do it in the biggest spot here with their CFP hopes on the line and they did it like you're also penalizing the defense for a freak injury of what happened to Jordan Travis like that to me it doesn't sit right with me that a team can go unblemished in a power five schedule and be left out of the playoff like I still think that that defense and overcome and overcome their quarterback and and overcome the quarterback being hurt I mean you know that this he just didn't get I mean they beat Florida and they beat Louisville who was who beat Notre Dame, you know, we talk about, you know, Ohio State had this win in Notre Dame, like Notre Dame was a hard place, hard team to play. So, yeah, I mean, you can make it. Look, if Alabama doesn't make the fourth down or the whatever down it was, if Milrow doesn't make the throw against Auburn, we're not having this conversation. 100%. Yeah, that the fourth and 31, that's the one that's just, it spun all this into into motion here. I think that's the one that keeps, I think that keeps them out. You think so? I think if the committee doesn't, I mean, I know they're the Southeast Conference Championship. I, for me, they deserve to go. But if they do something different, if they put Florida State in, and you know, as as the as the third team, and and Texas is the fourth, or Texas is the third, and Florida State is the fourth, and keep the Southeast Conference out, which I don't think they can do, but I think they could easily say, look, Alabama. In that game, they easily could have lost that game. They didn't. They won it. It's on. It's it counts, but that would be the game that they would cite. But I'm surprised you're giving the SEC so much credit in this particular year because traditionally it's been the best conference and like they always put out the most draft prospects and they've won the most national titles, especially in the CFP era. But the non-conference wasn't good for the SEC when they played Power Five teams. Like Alabama obviously lost to Texas, LSU lost to Florida State, A&M lost to Miami, Florida lost to Utah. Like th- th- this was a down year for the SEC. And yes, Georgia and Alabama are really good teams. Florida lost a lot of people though. You can't go by that Florida lost to a lot of people but they were in the conference like, I mean, like the, know, the, the, the conference they were below yeah, 500 I, I don't think I I think if you want to take Georgia out of this top four is the, is the the east isn't very good South Carolina's not yeah. very good Florida's not very good Kentucky wasn't very good I mean I can you can to me Georgia did what they beat one top 25 team in Missouri off schedule I, mean, I, I think you can make the case yeah I mean I think you could make not the west though not the west I think the West is still pretty good. I mean, look, LSU, you know, they beat Missouri. That was a, a shootout. That was a fun game to watch. I, I mean, look, I know we all think the Pac-12 is great, but Washington struggled to beat Washington straight State, struggled to beat Oregon State, right? Struggled to beat Arizona State. They won, yep. but that they weren't pushover games. Yeah, no. It's a, and, and, and that's my thing is that, if you're unblemished in the power five, like you just get to go in, like in my opinion, now we'll see what the committee does. Like their opinion matters more than mine. I think if that's, but if that's a rule, I I don't disagree with you. If you're unblemished, you go in. 
Yeah. But does that mean you're the four best teams? I, I don't disagree with you. I think it's I think it's a hardship to pay yeah. for a school and for a coach like Novell, who's got his team ready to play and win games with a backup quarterback and a third string quarterback in a championship game. I mean, and their defense held the opponent, which is a which is an offense that scores on people to six points. I think they deserve it. I, I'm not disputing. And I'm all I'm going back to is the original quote. Who are the four best teams? Yeah. Which, I mean, that's... You know, bring Johnny Avello in and ask him who the four best teams are based on his power rankings. Forget about the line spread. Ask ask him who his four best teams are. Well, the betting based market... Based on his power rankings. Yeah. The betting market right now, it has Alabama as a dog to make it plus 115 over at DraftKings, minus 145 on the no... Florida State is minus 350 on the yes, plus 260 on the no. Texas minus 350 on the yes, plus 260. So the the betting market at DraftKings is going to tell you that. Georgia's 12 to 1 to make Which it. Which Georgia? 12 to 1. And the no is minus 4,000. So the betting market says Georgia virtually has no chance to make it by virtue of what happened yesterday. That's, that, that's so, I mean, the team's lost one game in 38 games. How long? But, 29 but, games or something like that? Well, you, but you, you have to look at this this, this year. You by can't three use last year. points they lost. They lost yeah. one game by three points. They lost one game by three points this year. Yeah, hey, I mean, they, they lost the wrong I mean, game. last year, Ohio State had the one loss and they got in. But it's a new year. We didn't have three unbeaten power fives last year. We have it this year. That's what makes it fun. I mean, whoever gets left out is going to have a legitimate gripe, which is why it's going to be a lot of fun. But noon Eastern is when the CFP selection show happens. and We'll find out who the four teams are on the other side. Let's get to where the wins actually matter. And that is the NFL. We'll discuss it next year on the Lombardi line. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abbefe on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for a betting edge this college bowl season, the VEASAN experts have you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only $9.99. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits that let you see where the money and bets are moving for every game. And our college bowl betting guide where you get picks for every bowl game. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe today to sign up for only $9.99 and become part of the sports betting network. That's V-S-I-N slash subscribe. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi line on the DraftKings Network. Femi Abebefe, Michael Lombardi here on a week 13 in the NFL. Uh, we will, we're efforting, we texted Johnny Avello to see what his top four in his power ratings are right now as we're awaiting the committee's decision coming up at noon Eastern. So when we get that information, we'll pass it along to you guys. But let's turn our attention to the National Football League, Michael. And an interesting mm-hmm. game in Foxborough, not because it's the sexiest on paper, both teams below 500, but the betting market in this, is, I think, is fascinating. Right now, the Chargers, five-point favorites against the Patriots, total 39. Uh, A lot of rain is expected in this game. It's supposed to be sloppy, lower-scoring game here. Uh, How do you see this playing out with Bailey Zappi making his first start this season? Well, I think Zappi gives him a little bit of life. Look, Zappi hasn't played very well either, but, you know, Mac Jones just takes the heart out of the team. Let's be clear. I mean, throws unfortunate interceptions. The defense gets deflated. They've only given up 40 points in the last three weeks from a Patriots standpoint, but the problem is they can't score. They run the football effectively. They can't get it in the end zone. They can move it from 120 to the next But then there's always something that goes wrong, a pressure here, a mistake there, a drop, no explosive plays whatsoever. Can't make an explosive play in the passing game. And with Douglas, their their most explosive player at the receiving core being out with concussion, it makes it even harder. Now, we don't know if Keenan Allen's going to play either. They say he will, but he didn't practice all week. I don't think he's 100% healthy. And when you look at Belichick against Herbert, he's done a good job. And I don't think this... Patriot defense has given up. I mean, I think they're still fighting. They're still playing hard. Uh, I I think they have the ability to create some problems on this Charger team, especially, Femi, today where it's going to be pouring rain, not cold, but pouring rain coming down sideways. I don't know how the Chargers are a five-point favorite against anybody. I really don't. I know it's not easy to take the Patriots and, and the five, but we've seen this in the betting market all week. It started slowly. You know, they weren't sure who was going to who was going to make the bets. You know, on the, on the early part of the week, it was 29 percent of the money was on New England. And now today, 41 percent. So there's been a steady climb and that number has gone down. I think there's some mostly there's four and a half out there now. It's gone under five. So there's a push, a late push, but cautionary tale here. There's been a lot of late pushes on Sunday last week, particularly for the Patriots. 
Yeah, no, I think the the betting market still like wants to back Belichick getting all of these points because he hasn't been a dog of this magnitude. We're talking multiple decades here. I mean, our producer Elliot put this number in there. This isn't really actionable for today, but I think just find it interesting that Belichick hasn't been a home underdog versus a team that is under 500 since week two, 2001 against the 0-1 Jets, where they closed as a one and a half point dog. That, of course, was the famous game where Drew Bledsoe was knocked out. Tom Brady goes into the game. The rest is sort of history, but it's been that long since Belichick's been catching points against a below 500 team to where you think like just as a better inherently there's got to be some value but when you watch that offense can you really stomach it and watch those three hours and see if you can get to the window gonna be painful right I mean the quarterbacks they just can't get any play out of the quarterback now you know they brought Malik Cunningham up this week you know, and I think he'll be the second quarterback. I actually think that Mac Jones will be the the third quarterback going into today. I don't know that yet. We will find that at 1130. But there'll be some times where, especially in this rain game, where they're going to run some stuff for Cunningham to see if they can make a play out of the quarterback position. Because when you watch the tape, there are plays to be made. The problem is they're being made for the other team, throwing the ball into coverage, even when they don't get – intercepted i mean last week mac jones threw the ball in the coverage you know and you're like where's why is he throwing it there and yet he's kind of constantly has done that remember mac jones is a rookie had a 2.5 interception percentage last year with matt patricia everybody blamed him for the offense it was 2.5 this year it's up to 3.5 i mean he's continually got he is an anomaly in the sense that from his rookie year to his third year he's progressively gotten worse as opposed to most rookies progressively improve. From a prop standpoint, do you see this being a a big run-heavy game for New England here? Is it Ramondre Stevenson, Zeke Elliott? Since you mentioned Demario Douglas, he's going to be out with the concussion They run the ball well. Yeah, you you expect them to have success. They can run the ball. Okay. They were, look, the, the Jets' defense is the greatest defense in the history of football. They ran for 156 against the Jets. I mean, they can run the ball. They ran the ball against the Colts. They ran the ball last week You know, against the Giants. Not that they're a great defense, but they ran the ball. They controlled the game. You watch the tape, the offense, they controlled the run game. They had a chance. They just Every time they drop back to pass, you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Remember, we're wearing white today. You know, to me, it's like you almost have to remind Bailey, Bailey, we're in blue. To, no, they're going to be in red today. They're wearing the throwbacks today. Yeah, maybe that's you know, a We're bump. the red team here today. Yeah, they got the Pat the Patriots coming out. So you, you got to kind of remind them, like, hey, look. But I, I have a feeling if they can get the lead. Look, they've won two games this year in both those games. They had the lead at halftime. They've only had one game all year for a team that preaches – don't lose before you can win. They've only had one game all season where they didn't turn the ball over. Not that Mac didn't that he didn't throw a couple in the coverage. The Jets just didn't catch them. So like they have yet to play a mistake-free game. And so they've tried to run the ball. They've tried to modify their offense. It's just that you know some third downs you got to throw it. And their quarterbacking play has been so poor. All year, whether it's been Mac, whether it's been Bailey, it hasn't really mattered. You know, now Bailey hasn't had a chance to prepare and start, so we'll see if he can change it. Remind him that we're wearing red. That's that's where we've come to with the yeah, quarterback I mean, play. It's I, mean, I mean, it's so obvious. You have to say it. Like, like look, you know, we're, we are wearing red today. Don't throw it to them. You know, oh. and, and I mean, like, look. Everybody's like, well, you know, you got to throw the ball. Look, it's the NFL. It's not college. There's going to be windows that are tight. You got to throw the ball in. You got to fit it in there. 
to me, it sounds like this is a Patriots or pass kind of a game. I'm going to pass the game. I don't think I can stomach it. Uh, I don't, I don't want to put myself well, through that there. I mean, look, you, could you stomach Washington at nine? I mean, you're going to have to take somebody. Here's what we do know, Femi. We do know this. Last week's the favorites won 12 to 1. This yep. week, the dogs are going to win this week. The dogs are going to bark this week. The book doesn't have those beautiful chandeliers because they lose, right? They're going to win. You're going to have to take some ugly dogs. I think this is a, probably one of the better ugly dogs you can take. I mean, you, you, you know, you're going to take, you're going to take Washington. You taking the Jets? Oh, you, no, you, no. There are some really ugly, ugly dogs. But again, if you're going to be in this betting market and you're going to, you have to do it every week, you can't just ignore it. There are some ones that you just say, okay. Now, look, I'm sure a lot of people are going to put their money on the If they have the Chargers and Survivor, they're going to put it on the Chargers. I'd hold my breath a little bit, yeah. but it's almost like you have to, right? You yeah. have to. Man, with Staley and Survivor, oh, my gosh. I, that, 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 well, I mean, you got to pick 20 you teams. I mean, you gotta, you're, going with, you're going with Tampa Bay with, with half their defense out against Carolina. Can't mm. go there. You know, you're going with Tennessee. I mean, I like Tennessee today getting the point, but I, I mean, I'm nervous as hell about the pick. I just, I'm going with Vrabel as a home dog. That's strictly the pick there. Well, strictly the pick there. And, and that's the comfort with that one. Cause right now in Survivor, the top two choices, people are back in the Steelers. They were at 24, also 24 entries back Jacksonville. That'll be the Monday night game. So maybe a fade of Jay Browning and that Bengals offense there. So Tampa, 15 people. Tampa's been getting bet against all week. 15 entries at least uh, went ahead. That number's down to three and a half now, Femi. It's, there's threes that out was there, Michael. All, it op- <laughs> there's threes. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> it's, if, I mean, it is the one game where if the so-called, whatever they are, the professional betters, the sharp, there has been a strong, strong feeling of Carolina. Now, I know this from keeping notes and watching all this. That doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean it's right at all. But we do know that when lines move this much, right, we do know when lines move this much, you know, it, it is a problem. I mean, it typically... I have it here. The note I wrote it down again yesterday is when these lines continue to move. When when the lot we see line movements of three points or more away from the team, okay. Example from three to six or something like that. Well, like the the Colts game, okay. No, no, excuse me, like the Rams game. You know, uh, that the team that moves away from it are 31, 34 and two this year against the spread, 70, 94 and three since the start of last year. So when you're getting that line movement away and you think, oh, my, you know, and you're going to take the team that's getting the line that the money's coming towards these numbers don't tell you that's a good play. Yeah, especially at close, which I think the the lesson there is don't always go chasing that steam uh, because it's sometimes, as you've mentioned, has not been predictive of getting you to the window there. And a lot of this, I'm sure, is the maybe the fired coach bump, quote unquote, with this being a a new coaching staff with Frank Reich having been fired. But also maybe it's a little bit of the Panthers defense getting healthier. Welcome back, J.C. Horn. Welcome back, Jeremy Chin, to where, all right, like maybe this should be the Panthers defense that we expected to see uh, prior to the start of the season. So it's probably going to be a lower scoring game. The market's in. Indicating that right now we're down to as low as 36 and a half with the total between the Panthers and the Bucks. All right, we will get to those commanders hosting the Dolphins on the other side. This is the Lombardi line on the DraftKings Network. This 
This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abbafe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, you know DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting 5 bucks on basketball. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VSIN. The crown is yours. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi Line. Week 13 in the NFL. Full Sunday slate coming up today. Cannot wait for it. Although we do have six teams on by, but it's going to be a fun day of football. Femi Abebefe, Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. And Michael, we were talking about this during the break here. This is a fun nugget as it pertains to the, the game that we were just talking about there. How the totals, 37 or less, this since 2020, are 22 four and one so even if it seems like it's low might not be low enough and that applies to a couple games obviously the next one we're going to talk about falcons and the jets yeah yeah and weather factor in here too you know they try to play the weather into the under total but we know here on the east coast at least from new jersey north up to new england the rain is coming heavily i don't think it's going to affect washington i keep checking that game because i think the washington game Weather-wise, is really important. I mean, we've seen Tua struggle with a wet football. There's no denying it. But it doesn't seem like, I mean, what I'm looking at at 12 o'clock today, there's zero precipitation. So that one will, but the jet game won't. The jet game is going to be in a downpour. Yeah, we have the weather games right now. Obviously, we mentioned it with the Chargers and the Patriots. Steady rainfall most of the game. Falcons, Jets, the, most of the rain will be before game time, but there should be some light showers. Now I sound like a meteorologist. Light showers and a wet field coming up uh, actually during the game. Scattered showers, though, uh, and some 15 to 20 mile per hour winds in Pittsburgh for the Cardinals and the Steelers. And then in the game that we talked about last segment, Panthers at the Bucks. good chance of rain. Uh, it's Florida. There's always a good chance of rain in that state. And then potentially a heavy rain at times so those are the sunday weather games sounds like not a whole lot of wind but a lot of precipitation as one might say uh in the four games in this early window there so we have the panthers and the bucks where that total set applies to the falcons and the jets and as we handicap falcons jets michael uh the betting market it's a little bit of slight interest late in the week on game green right now it's down to two total 33 i can't back tim boyle uh but somebody out there definitely can and i guess if on the other side you have to lay it with ritter so it's kind of pick your poison in this spot yeah i mean look that, that that's why i made this on hall notes play for my sunday my friday look ahead line the column i mean you know, I don't I, I want to play Atlanta here. Atlanta's the smart play because Atlanta can run the football and the Jets have struggled to defend the run. I mean, teams go in to play the Jets. They're 31st in terms of facing rushing attempts, which is an, a huge number because typically, you know, you would think that because the Jets are so good on defense, teams wouldn't even be able to run the ball. Like Cleveland, it's hard to run the ball on the Brownies, but you can run the ball on the Jets. And so one of the things Atlanta can do offensively this year, one of the few things they can do is run the football effectively. And when they win, they run the ball. The problem I have with getting behind this game is can Ritter handle the rain? Will he protect the football? You know, he's 35th in EPA, he's 14th in success rate, and he's 24th in just throwing completions. Just executing a standard passing game is difficult for this Falcon team. And so to me, there lies the problem. There lies the rub. Do I think the, the, the Jets can score more than 12, 13 points? No, there's been no evidence that they've been able to score any points since the bye week. They're horrible, you know? And when you look at and these two coaches are both horrible 
as to play on in terms of against the spread. Even straight up, they're horrible. So to me, there's there's a case to be made that both sides don't deserve your attention in this game, which is why I made it a Hall and Oates play. If I had to play anybody, it would be the Falcons, but I just couldn't I couldn't get there. I mean, I know they've scored 98 points in the last four games, which average about 24 and a half, but they just ha- but. This will be different because it's on the road, a dome team outside in the rain. I don't know. Yeah, and the Falcons so far this year, three and eight against the spread. That's not what you want uh, when you're backing a team to be a road well, favorite. Uh, career-wise, uh, career-wise, you know, I mean, Arthur Smith has been a disaster. But I will say this about defending the Falcons on the road, right? They ran for 127 against Jacksonville. I mean, they could run the ball down there. They ran for 156 in Tampa. Now, it was perfect weather. They ran for another 140 against the Titans in Tennessee, right? I mean, they, they were able to run. They lost the game, but they won that. And then they, against Arizona, they ran for 184. The problem was they only threw for 70 in that game. That's why they lost that game. I, don't, I would not anticipate them trying to throw too much in this game, just given that the strength of the Jets defense is probably that secondary with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed and all those guys. So if, it's, if they can't get the run game going, like that's when the Falcons run into trouble in this game. It's what, they should be yeah. able to get it going because a lot of people have gotten it going against that Jets defense. But if they can't, boy, uh, the, the under will definitely be good yeah. in this spot here sitting at 33. Might be the first team to 13 wins the game, honestly, based yeah. on what we see out there tonight. Uh, let's get to a game that is a little bit more exciting from a score standpoint and that is the Dolphins at the Commanders no weather in sight in Landover Maryland but Miami right now is a nine-point favorite there's an eight and a half that has now popped up over at DraftKings total 49 and a half yeah so uh, some interest here on Washington at 10 yeah yeah I think everybody feels like look if you peel back the layers of Miami's offense as great as their numbers are they haven't trended in the right direction and I don't think people are giving enough credit to Miami's defense Really, Miami's defense is really good, and they've gotten better and better and better as it's gone on. Now, the thing I think moving this number is Miami's 3-0 and at home, right? And, you know, they basically they average 31 points at home. They give up 16, right? But on the road, you know, they, they're not as effective. They're, they give up they, – they average 27, and they give up 18, so there's a little bit of a variance. And then when the ball's wet, the weather, wind, all those things. And this offense, over the last four weeks, since the Buffalo game, really, they haven't been the same offense. You know, there's problems with their offensive line. Now, Armstead says he's going to play. Lamb's been hurt. They get Hunt back in their offensive line. A tune comes back too, right? So they get another runner to go back there. And this Washington defense, Femi, is atrocious. Now, here's the difference between Del Rio and Rivera. Del Rio, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, but he was insistent on playing man-to-man, you know, and he couldn't cover anybody. Now, Emmanuel Forbes, their best cover guy, the first-round pick, he's not playing today. He's been declared out already. So they can't play man-to-man. When Rivera was a defensive coordinator in the league going back 15 years, he was the king of playing Tampa 2, the king of Tampa 2. That's all he played. He was from the Bears scheme. He played Tampa 2. Remember, he got fired as a defense coordinator of the Bears and had to go out to San Diego to become their defense coordinator. North Turner hired him out there, played a lot of cover 2, Tampa 2 there, and that's when he got his first job, right? It wasn't because he was this creative defensive coordinator. Now, he's an ex-player, all those things, and that's what lended him a job. Three winning seasons in his NFL coaching career. So, for me, this is a game where they're going to just try to take away the big play. They're going to try to take away 
Tua's first look. They're going to play a lot of zone, make him have to hold the ball a split second longer, and hopefully they can keep the game below 30, and maybe Sam Howe will make enough plays in the passing game. But do you think this switch going to playing more of a Tampa two, like let's make them like chunk the ball down the field instead of getting those big explosive plays. You think that can help Washington stay competitive in this football game? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I do. And I think that's what's moving the number a little bit. I think that it's certainly not if they play man, they can't cover anybody. Yeah. So they gotta play Tampa. They gotta take away the big plays. They've got to take away the the seams, the the RPO type throws inside that Tua wants to throw quickly. You know, it's one throw. And the one thing is Washington can pressure from inside with Payne and and, and, uh, and Jonathan Allen. Allen. Yep. So they've got two inside guys to pressure, which is where Tua has most of his issues. But, you know, offensively now, when they have to block this really good front, and I know they don't have Phillips in there. They signed Jason Pierre-Paul off the practice squad of the Saints. Whether he can give them anything, I don't know. But Van Ginkle has played really well in the role when he filled in for Phillips when he was out earlier. He's been their best rusher. He's been their best pressure guy. Chubb's starting to come along. Wilkins is playing well. So they're going to put a lot of pressure on on this Washington offensive line. Now, Washington's offensive line, look, this is the classic example, Washington's offense, of just collecting numbers and not having any interest in trying to win the game and play, to me, play complementary football. You know, Washington, all they do is call pass plays, right? They're number one in passing attempts. They're ninth in yards. They're, and then it starts to go down from there, right? They're one in passing attempts. They're ninth in yards. They're 15 in touchdowns. They're 26 in interceptions. They're 24th in yards per attempt. And they're 24th in scoring job. So all they're doing is collecting yards. They never put the ball in the end zone. They turn it over too much and they get the quarterback killed. But they can say to everybody, look, we can throw the football. This is why you, you, you can't go by stats. They play nothing complimentary. And if they do that today, this Miami defense might score two touchdowns. It's almost like the, the play caller might be trying to get a head coaching job and auditioning for that. No question. <laughs> Maybe that's what's going no on. No question. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got the media behind him. They're all going to say he deserves to get one because look at Sam Howell. Look how many yards he's thrown for. Well, how about, the, how about where the team is? The six turnovers against the Giants. Like seriously, you gotta you gotta play to your strength, and they could care less about that. Well, how about this? The Commanders three and three zero and one ATS and two and two outright as a home dog of at least seven and a half points under Ron Rivera. So maybe the dogs could there be barking go. and land over Maryland. Turn it in, bark, bark, bark. Let's go to the Bayou next here on the Lombardi Line. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and expect. 
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abbafe on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VSEN.com slash picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event, date, and more. Check the top VSEN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI and see which VSEN expert has the hot hand. For VSEN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access, become a VSEN Pro subscriber today. Sign up now for only $9.99 at VSEN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. It's a week 13 Sunday in the National Football League, and this is the Lombardi line. Femi Abebefe alongside Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey as we continue our handicap of the games. Games will be kicking off here in about a couple hours, and one that I'm really interested in, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one, Michael, is the Lions at the Saints, because all season long, you know me, I've been on the bandwagon saying, you fade Dennis Allen, you fade Derek Carr, especially when they're favorites. Well, now they're catching four at home against a Detroit team that hasn't looked that great defensively over the past month here. Is this a spot to potentially back the Dennis Allen, Derek Carr led New Orleans Saints? You know, on, on paper, I want to take the Saints and they've got some injuries. We know Chris Olave is going to play. Cam Hayward's going to be a game time decision. They're going to go work him out. So we were thinking earlier in the week they weren't going to have three other top four receivers, but they now Olave says he can go. So that helps, right? We know Carr will put up great numbers, much like the Washington offense. He'll put up great numbers, except he can't score in the red zone. They don't put the ball into the end zone. And you're going to have to do that against this Detroit team. The issue really is... The Saint team has not been great at home. They're 0-4 at home this year against the spread. And they've not lost three, eight. They haven't lost four straight against the spread, period, since 2018 and 19. They just haven't been able to close the gap and find a way to win, especially at home. They've given away too many games at home this year. And this Lions team, which you can attack in the secondary, which sets up perfectly for what the Saints want to do. They want to throw the football. They want to run play action. I mean, these are two teams that mirror one another. Remember, Dan Campbell coached down there in New Orleans, right? And so Pete Carmichael and everybody, that they, what, the, what they run offensively in New Orleans is similar to what they run in, in Detroit. So it's kind of a game where both teams know each other really well, which should lend itself to a higher scoring game and the fact that the, the, the Saints should be able to score some points. And at four and a half, it seems like the right number. It's just hard to get behind Dennis Allen, who's not a very good uh, coach against the spread, and the fact that the Superdome hasn't really been proven effective. I mean, New Orleans is 8-11 and 11 straight up at home in the last three years. 
Do you think that familiarity with like Campbell obviously having been on that Saints staff and the Saints being very familiar with him, do you think that favors the dog in this situation? Like like when you have the two teams that are familiar yeah, with each should. other that the underdog okay. It should, but here's the issue, right? I mean, the reason the Lions have looked bad the last two weeks is they've turned the ball over seven times in two weeks. They've only gained one turnover, right? And if you go back to the Raider game, which was ugly, and they won, they covered, but it wasn't a really good game for them, right? They turned it over three times in that game. So in the last four games, they've turned the ball over 10 times which before that, they hadn't turned the ball over. Uh, the remaining of the games, they turned it over eight times. So they've been turnover prone, and Goff hasn't played to the level he's used to playing. And they've got to run the ball to really set up Goff. they got to play from in front. They haven't been able to do that the last two weeks. they played from behind, right? Charger game, when they scored 48 and gave up 38, you know, they played from in front. But think about this, Femi. This, this Lions defense giving up 533 uh, – 421 yards against the Chargers. Yep. Another 331 against the Bears. And we know the Bears don't have a great offense. And then last week against the Packers, 377. When they try to play man-to-man against the Packers, it got ugly. We know the Chargers don't have a great offense. And the Chargers move the ball up and down the field on that Lions defense. Like This Lions defense is a big problem going forward since it's been going on over the past month. You mentioned the turnovers. Goff has had six turnovers in the last two games. The Saints tied for fourth in the league with 20 takeaways on the year. Do you think these Goff turnovers, is it something that how defenses are playing him? Have they kind of figured out what Detroit wants to do here? Or is this some of it a little bit kind of fluky with tip balls or whatever? Like, like what, What's the, 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 the premise behind this, this Goff turnover? I think it's turnovers? playing from behind. It's okay. playing from behind. You know, when you play from behind, what I don't think the fans really take into consideration is when you play from behind, there's a little bit of a sense of desperation. You're trying, we got to score on this one. We got to make a play here. And you take some chances and all of a sudden those chances turn into turnovers. You know, it's very challenging. Look, how come teams that, that, that play from behind don't have very many sacks or turnovers? It's because the other team's being cautious. They're protecting themselves. They're playing complimentary football. They don't want to give the, get the team back into the game. And I, and I think ultimately that's why. Goff's got to play better. Now, you know, this would be a slam dunk for me. Goff on the road, hostile environment. And I know they won down there in the, in the game that Vinovich didn't call pass interference all <laughs> against the Rams. But, you know, I mean, uh, he won that game. But to me, this would be a typical play against Goff in the past, right? This offensive line for the Lions, we think it's really good. But last week, the Packers gave them a lot of trouble. And it, it affected Goff. It does. If, if Goff doesn't feel protected, he has issues. He's going to throw it up. He's going to throw it a tick of a second too early. So you, you got a chance to make some plays. It's just that you don't trust the Saints. I mean, they're the, the, they are not a – they just can't finish drives. I mean, they just can't finish drives. That's the problem. And a lot of it goes right back to their quarterback, right? You know, we talk about likability. We talk about all, all the things. I mean, they're 29th in red zone. I mean, the team, you just got to make a play. You know, they're 29th in red zone. They, they don't. And, and the fact is they can't finish, right? They get great field position, the Saints. So they're the 10th best team in starting field position. And yet they can't finish those drives because when it comes push comes to shove, he doesn't make the right throw. 
Yeah, no, it's it's been bad here. And the, you mentioned that offensive line issues for the Detroit Lions. Cam Jordan is the big guy to watch for injuries this week, the inactives and the actives. That's coming out about 40 minutes. Uh, he did not practice at all this week, but he's a true game time decision is what they're saying. I think he's missed like one game in his career due to injury. So he's as tough as they come. We'll see if he can fight through this one and be active. If he's inactive, that's a big loss for the New Orleans defense up front there, trying to get some pressure on Jared Goff. Let's get to the game in Houston, though. This one big Big AFC wildcard mm. playoff implications. Denver is a three-point dog on the road against the Texans. Three and a half now at DraftKings. Looks like there's been some a little bit of movement here on Houston this morning. The total sitting at 47 and a half. I cannot wait to watch this game, Michael. This one's going to be a lot of fun. I, I, I'm not surprised this movement on Houston. I, I think this Denver team is a little bit of a, of a, you've got to ask yourself the question, can this keep going the way it's going? Can they continue to force turnovers at the rate that they're forcing turnovers. Femi, they have forced 15 turnovers in the last four weeks, right? <laughs> I mean, that's remarkable. Number. 15. Yeah. I mean, and before the, first, before the last four games, they only forced seven in seven games. So the ball is coming out. Is it luck or is it them being great? You know, I, I, I tend to think there's a little bit of luck that goes into this, you know? And so when you break them down, you know, they don't turn the ball over. They've been very conservative. And they've made all these turn. They've created all these turnovers, and the opponent hasn't missed a field goal in the last five games, right? So it's not like they're getting great field position because of a missed field goal, which is a turnover. So they've been able to. And Sean has done a great job. One of the fewest fourth down conversion teams in the league, thirtieth overall in that area, and takes the points. And Lutz just kicks field goals. So you kind of get the sense this is going to be a game where, you know, it's going to be a tight game. And the way Houston has turned the ball over lately. Remember, early in the season, Stroud wasn't turning the ball over at all. He wasn't. You know, last week against Jacksonville, they didn't turn the ball over, but he made too many mistakes with the ball. He's got incredible poise. He's been an incredible rookie. There's no denying that. But he took a sack when he shouldn't have. He had an opportunity. On a screen, he took a sack, right? On, on a screen, he takes a sack. On a three-step drop, he takes a sack. Those kind of plays, they got him out of field goal range or else that game was going to go into overtime. So for me, you know, I think it's a close game. I think you can run the ball on Denver. I think Houston will run the ball. I think Houston is the better team. They're playing at home. They're the better team. But what, one of the things is that four-leaf clover that Kevin, Kevin Stefanski, excuse me, Kevin O'Connell had last year in Minnesota, huh? that's been passed over to Sean here in Denver. I mean, they've been very fortunate with these turnovers. And I don't know if you can continue on this turnover pace, which has been incredible, incredible. I mean, you know, when you sit there and watch it, you're sitting there saying, okay, when is this going to end? They've had 16 turnovers on the five-game win streak. But the last five games, they've had five, 15 turnovers. Think about it. That's three a game, Femi. If you're going to get three turnovers a game and you're not going to turn the ball over, the chances are you're going to win the football game, which is what they've been able to do. And, the fact, right. that, and the fact that Denver has gone into games saying, hey, we will not turn the football over has helped them quite a bit here. And maybe they can do that once again today. One thing to note, though, for Texans, 0-4 as favorites this season. Uh, so it hasn't been that great against the spread when this team has been expected to win. They're more favorable in that underdog role. Well, they're, they're now the favorites in this one here. We'll see if that turnover regression goes against Denver and the Texans can get a big, big win in the AFC wildcard. All right, that does it for hour number one. Hour number two will begin with the game everybody wants to watch, the NFC title rematch between the Niners and the Eagles. 
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 